0: to the Age Stage, a program that looks at issues and matters affecting older Australians made possible by Aftercare Australasia and Australian Unity. Hi everyone, I am Brendan Toffa. Good to have your company. This week on the program we get pretty busy. We assess the major political parties and their policies for older Australians ahead of this month's federal election. This time their position on superannuation. And we'll be taking a chat to superannuation leader Tony Negline from the Chartered Accountant Australia and New Zealand Group. Audica have announced themselves to be one of the biggest hearing specialists in Australia. Their network is vast and they are warning that one in six of us are experiencing hearing problems. We're not taking it terribly seriously and those numbers are set to jump to one in four in the next couple of years. We'll find out what's going on in just a moment. We also talked to Probus this week about who they are, what they do, and we also provide you with a special invitation to get involved with them. Plus, medical reporter Damien Flenley joins us in the Bendigo Bank studio to discuss the flu. It is active this year, it is early and it is deadly. But first of all we're going up to Sydney where stage three of the Royal Commission into Aged Care has convened in the New South Wales capital. Our reporter is Paul Verstige of the Combined Pensioners and Superannuates Association. Paul, the revelations once again they have been absolutely harrowing. It is not a good look. Yes,
1: the, the the stories coming out of the commission are quite horrific. They are not a surprise for people who followed who followed the, the industry closely. But yeah, they are horrific. The, we we heard stories about, or a story about.
0: Paul you're right because uh, just to quote the uh, the Fairfax newspaper there actually it was a 72 year old with dementia and he was restrained by a lap belt in a chair for at least 30 times over nearly two months and on one occasion from 3am in the morning according to revelations at the Royal Commission. Not a good look is it? No and
1: we're not not saying that all nursing homes are like this but it is, uh, it, is it is a very common response. comment
0: Well, the revelations continue, of course, and as we say, we're into the third session of hearings up in Sydney now. How much longer for these particular sessions?
1: Um, they will uh, go until next week. The expectation is that about 40, 40 witnesses in total will be heard. We've heard from you know, the nursing home that we just described is a is a standalone nursing home, but this morning Anglicare, which is a, a not-for-profit operator of nursing homes and, and quite big, was, was on the stand and uh, had their, their procedures around um, consent for um, prostitutrophic uh, medication examined and uh, didn't uh, come out so squeaky clean, I have to say. We also look at, uh, at Bupa, which is a very big operator and has been in the news a lot with its nursing homes. And there's a few other big operators that, uh, that will be scrutinised by the Commission uh, over the course of this week and next week.
0: And when are we going to start seeing or hearing from the Commission in terms of its observations and conclusions?
1: Well, in October, we're going to produce the interim report. So this is the the usual procedure. The the Royal Commission produces an interim report where it notes all its its findings. It doesn't make recommendations yet. And then the public and, uh, and anyone of interest can make submissions as to what the Royal Commission should make of uh, of its findings in terms of recommendation, and, and they are due by April next year.
0: Well, it's been a very turbulent uh, week for everyone concerned with the sector. I see that the Minister himself and at least his staff members are embroiled in... Uh, allegations of bullying out of the federal capital this week as well difficult days for him i'm sure managing all that but also i see that the combined pensioners and superannuates association has also taken labor to task uh, in that it's preempted you claim the royal commission decisions on no to mandatory staff ratios in nursing homes why why well, this position from them and why your reaction paul well
1: obviously uh, cpsa position is that uh, there should be mandatory staffing ratios in nursing homes that's the only way to fix uh, and to compel nursing homes to to actually uh, at least um have the you know the the ground conditions to to provide proper care so anyone that says that there shouldn't be mandatory staffing ratios we we would like to have a discussion with now labor the labor's spokesperson the labor shadow minister for aged care julie collins uh was quizzed yesterday on on um uh, on the ABC Hobart uh, radio station about her stance to uh, to mandatory staffing ratios and she made it clear that she didn't actually dismiss them completely but her response was such that uh, you, you can actually see coming that if uh, if Labour gets in on the 18th of May that it's not going to be in any hurry to uh, to, to impose mandatory staffing ratios.
0: What about the coalition themselves then?
1: Well, the uh, the the, uh, the coalition has not really made statements on 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 this issue at all. Uh, but I think their staff, um, sorry, their, their track record over the past few years speaks volumes. They haven't moved that at all to improve, impose mandatory staff ratios in nursing homes.
0: Nevertheless, I would say that they'd probably defend themselves by saying, "Well, listen, we've uh, we've introduced and, and got the Royal Commission going."
1: Yes, and that, uh, that's a great credit to them. And that also brings us to the, the fact that Labor, when it committed to significant pay increase for childcare workers, twenty percent, it refused to do the same thing for aged care staff, which are just as underpaid, on the grounds that uh, the the, um, the Royal Commission was uh, was looking uh, at such issues. Nevertheless, they've come out and basically panned mandatory staff ratios, and we think that's not just a bad look; it's bad policy, and. Uh, be addressed by by Bill Shorten himself rather than a junior
0: shadow minister. It's incredible, actually, because Collins quoted uh, in a transcript, which I think you have also got hold of. She's saying uh, on this radio interview, "We don't want to legislate overnight because simply the workforce isn't there." I mean, that seems but, to be um, ignoring well, so or shirking shirking some responsibility, perhaps.
1: Well, yes, I mean, to start with, there is absolutely no evidence that there, that uh, that the workforce can't be expanded, certainly if it's a, it's a little bit better paid, mm-hmm. but that evidence doesn't exist, so it's it's simply it's simply an excuse not to do anything. That's really a worrying thing. Mm-hmm. They should simply say, look, you know, there's no there's no discussion. The nursing home should be properly staffed and if it takes Mandatory staffing ratios to uh, to ensure that, and that's what we're going to do.
0: And I guess the position of the Combined Pensioners and Superannuants Association is that they need to be uh, given a wage rise as well while they go about that business of uh, increasing staff numbers.
1: They need to do that.
0: Yes. And if they compensate people correctly, then perhaps you're going to attract more into the workforce.
1: Uh, that is uh, that is always the case. I mean, if you if you pay peanuts, you're not going to get a lot of people applying. It's important work. It's difficult work, even in properly staffed nursing homes so it should be properly remunerated um, there is simply a shortage of staff as it is and it can be it can be fixed very quickly
0: And if we do get those staffing levels, hopefully we won't see uh, and hear some of the revelations that we have uh, so far at the Royal Commission. Paul Vestige, Policy Manager with Combined Pensioners and Superannualist Association. Thank you very much indeed, Paul. Of course, the election May 18th, and who knows, maybe we'll get you back on the program before then with more updates for us. Uh,
1: I'd be pleased to do that.
0: Paul Versteves of the Combined Pensioners and Superannuate Association, and the association always points out it is apolitical, it is neutral as far as politics are concerned. This is The Aid Stage, sponsored by Australian Unity and Aftercare Australasia. A break. When we come back, Audica rolls out its national hearing network. FM. Peter Bartlett is a clinical audiologist with 25 years experience in the industry, six years he spent in Africa and also in Outback Australia. Peter is part of Audica, a hearing health network that spans the country and provides a full range of hearing services. It's important, he says, because most of us are presenting with hearing problems and sadly, he says, we seem to be very reluctant to present and discuss our problems. According to Audica, we don't rank hearing very highly as a health priority and that, later on in our lives, has serious health issues. Let's speak to Peter Bartlett.
2: Yeah, thanks very much, Brendan. Great to be with you and great to be able to get that message out where we're really wanting to highlight the importance of hearing, not just in terms of communication, but social interaction and connectedness between people and and, uh, people within communities.
0: Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because as we alluded to in the introduction, this recent survey has found that Australians rank hearing at about number four in terms of their sort of health priorities. I wonder why...
2: Well, yeah, it is interesting and I think there's, uh, there are a number of reasons for it and probably more concerning is that that's not even the um, way that it's considered globally and so Ortica, um, which is the organisation that I'm um, with, and we've uh, got a presence globally and what we saw with the survey, which wasn't just in Australia but all around uh, the world, that um, others take it more seriously and so that's probably really the reason that we're wanting to highlight and say, you know, come on, we've got fabulous services in Australia with hearing... Um, We need to pull our socks up and uh, look after our ears a bit better.
0: And those services, of course, are now easier for us to access as well. Audica, as you mentioned, is described as a revolution in hearing healthcare because it combines the services of a number of facilities and provision providers.
2: Yeah, that's right. From the 1st of May, um, there were four um, providers of services across Australia that have uh, now come under the one banner of Audica. Uh, So that's over 400 clinics. Uh, throughout the country and more importantly 90 years of um, local Australian hearing health services um, experience. So we've been in um, helping people for a long time and now just with our presence you know someone um, might be in a certain location they're going on holiday they're moving somewhere else and they know that they've got that same uh, level of professional care that's available in other locations as well. So um, that is an exciting thing for us um, and so it's a name that really people were Going to, um, it's going to be synonymous with uh, quality hearing healthcare, and um, particularly as we look to a more holistic approach to see uh, how people can be helped, not just by um, you know a, a test and a device, but there's so much more now where devices are interconnected with all of our technology, phones and TVs and things like that. But also for those that have um, have more significant hearing loss and may even need cochlear implantation or. Um, other devices as well. So we're really looking more broadly uh, at how we can be helping people re-engage with um, hearing and communication.
0: Well, I guess that is part two then of what you're doing. Audica obviously is the consolidation of services and service centres, as you say, nationally and internationally as well. And now I guess you've probably got to try and spread the message. And I guess that's why it's important that you speak to us here at the age stage as well, letting Australians know that this is a a primary uh, requirement in terms of um, good health and outcomes.
2: Well, absolutely. And as we know, then hearing loss does affect people uh, in the older ages, uh, the age brackets and and the uh, the later stages in life. And it really is um, significant in that uh, you've got more than 60% of the people over the age of 60 who uh, will experience hearing loss. So sometimes, strangely, people feel like they're the only one or, you know, if um, they do something about it, they'll be the odd one (laughs) out and they're not. Um, And so, you know, it actually increases to to 74%, so three-quarters of those aged over 70, um, are, have some sort of hearing loss. And so really, that's the norm. Um, and that's what we're wanting uh, for people to realise and to understand. Not only that, but those that actually do something about um, hearing loss and hearing issues, uh, in this survey, 70% of people reported that uh, by, by taking action, it actually improved quality of life. Which um, is, so it's, a really, it's really a broader picture than just our
0: ears Yeah, I guess you've probably got to try and sell that message But I wonder what it's saying about the Australian sort of population That what, we're embarrassed, we're worried about the cost uh, of the intervention We don't want to admit that we're old and that we do need this intervention I want, What is it saying about us that we rank so poorly internationally In terms of how seriously we take our hearing and hearing loss
2: yeah, well, of the of the respondents, and, and what we need to remember is, is this survey was uh, very widely conducted. There was more than uh, two and a half thousand Australians uh, taking part in in this survey, and fifty four percent of those responding felt embarrassed. You you actually hit them over right on the head um, to reveal that they had a hearing loss, and so there's some sort of level of concern about what will other people think about that. And yet, the strange thing is um, that by not doing anything about it. Other people realise that there is a hearing loss there, and so uh, the you know the contradiction, if you like, is that people who do something about it might wear a device, might be quite discreet, covered up by hair, even that but- um, that they're less likely to be noticed as having a hearing loss by by doing something
0: about it. It's interesting, isn't it? In fact, we have an absolutely a classic example here, um, Peter. We uh, we take a, a new service via satellite, and it seems that there's been a little bit of co-channel interference on that satellite service here at R Double PFM. Now, anybody over sixty has not heard a high frequency buzz on top of the news that the under 40s have been complaining about and it's, <laughs> it's really interesting that the under 40s have had to come in and say guys we're hearing this high-pitched scream in the back end of your news can you hear it and of course all us older over 60 year olds just look at one another and say no it's perfect to us we can't wow. hear that interference it's extraordinary
2: of course hearing is bliss then um but uh, or ignorance is bliss on yeah. that occasion but um <laughs> the, the um yeah, we I suppose what we're wanting for people to realise is that the, the old ideas around hearing and hearing loss um, are just that—they're old. The they're, they're new um, with new devices that are Bluetooth connected, um, that you know you can you can wear and uh, actually be more engaged, more involved. Um, that's actually what's going to keep people alive and well and 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 you know connected with community. And we actually know that. Um, As as I mentioned before, it improves quality of life and it actually also improves mental health. Uh, And and the other thing is that the sooner you do something about it, the more easily the brain is able to adjust to to a device. And, And even if you're not ready for a hearing device, just knowing where your hearing is at and getting some information, as you say, maybe it's just the high frequencies, maybe it's the low frequencies, maybe it's more one ear than the other. Um, and we don't know until we, we get that checked out. So, you know, our goal really is to make it as easy as possible for people to do something about
0: it. It's very interesting. Again, I, I, I'm, I, I can uh, recall a couple, of, um, a couple of incidences where, of course, hearing loss is affecting in, in childhood development as well. The ability for them to, to develop and evolve speech patterns as well can be significantly interfered with if those kids are having some problems with their hearing at a very young age.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and it's really funny actually that sometimes when um, uh, clients who come to be uh, fitted with hearing devices and uh, they'll come, we, we really encourage a, a partner or a, a spouse or a family member to come in as well and, and the family member often reports, oh, their voice is a lot more quiet now but they're actually hearing themselves better as well. So there is that same idea about getting... Um, feedback uh, of what your own voice is doing and how you're communicating with others that people are just not aware of as well.
0: Well, it's quite significant. One in six Australians, as you say, suffering from some degree of hearing loss, and by 2050, you guys are estimating one in four. That's big numbers.
2: It is, and it goes along with our ageing population. Uh, obviously, you know, we're li- we're living longer, and um, we just think, you know, as I was saying about quality of- quality of life, that that means we need to be. Um, living longer, better. And um, this is really a a key area where people um, just don't realise um, once they're hearing... And it it usually goes gradually. It's not something that overnight, oh, gee, you know, I've noticed this or that. um, And one of the things is that you don't hear the things that you don't hear. So um, it's a little bit different to eyesight, where, you, oh, gee, I can't... It's a bit blurred, I can't quite see that. But um, those things that we can actually be ignorant of and that it's other people who are noticing that we might have a hearing loss before we do... Um, And then we think it's normal. Um, I I tell you every single day that I see clients and and fit devices that um, they're shocked that when they put something on, oh, gee, I can hear you much better. And um, that's really what we're hoping for people to to take the step, even if it might be associated with concern over, as we said before, embarrassment or stigma or, as you mentioned as well, even cost. And that's something that should be part of that discussion.
0: Well, Audica, as you say, have basically consolidated your services and your service centres, and down here on the Mornington Peninsula and around us as well in our target area, you have a number of Audica outlets as well, Peter.
2: That's right, and probably the best way for people to find that out is um, by going to audica.com on the the website, putting in, find your nearest clinic popping in your postcode and getting that there but uh, down down to, to Rosebud, through Mornington, around to New Haven and then up through the southeastern uh, suburbs, there's um, plenty of locations there and uh, we also have a, a 1-800 number that uh, can be called that um, yeah, will help people uh, get in touch and to have a, a free hearing check and that's really what we're offering that uh, people can, at an obligation just pop in, find out where the hearing's at they can do a self-screening test on a a touch screen, and, uh, and then they can have those results looked at by one of our highly trained clinicians and go from there.
0: So take it seriously, don't be intimidated, and uh, take up Audica on its offer of these uh, free hearing tests.
2: Yeah, and if I, Brent, if I can just give you that 1-800 number, um, it's uh, 1-800-340-631, and uh, someone um, would be very happy to look after uh, a caller who's bold enough to take action.
0: Well, Peter Bartlett, thank you very much indeed, and uh, we appreciate your time today, Peter, and uh, stopping and stopping by and, and talking to us at the age stage. One other thing, Peter, a couple of the oldies here don't like going out to a couple of the uh, local restaurants, which have got all the tiling all over the place. They reckon ambient noise is interfering with their hearing these days. Is that a symptom of hearing loss, or is that just basically uh, something that they're not used to in terms of uh, their living experience?
2: No, it's a couple of things happening there. One is that with reverberant rooms that are very hard surfaced, then you're going to get um, more um, more echo, if you like, or reverberation, and more background noise. It's going to you know sort of run around the room. So one of the things is um, to be looking for a place that has more soft furnishes and furnishings, and and things that can absorb a bit more noise. That's going to be better for someone with a hearing loss. Um, and also to mention that in background noise situations, that's probably the most difficult. Uh, for someone with a hearing loss, because it's taking out some of the, uh, it's sort of overwhelming some of the the speech sounds that they're wanting to hear, and yet a lot of the devices now and and other accessories are able to deal a lot better with background noise, and so, um, you know, someone that's been using older technology or hasn't taken action to, um, to look at what's available now probably needs to get checked out and, and see what is uh, available for
0: them. And Peter I'll be taking that recommendation on to our tech team as well and letting them, <laughs> letting them know that uh, when it comes to the new services they should go down to Audica get their ears tested and just see whether they cannot hear that high frequency in future, hey? Yeah, when they've
2: all gone out to those uh, rock bands and other things there they've got
0: to uh, look after yeah, The excesses of their youth probably coming back to haunt them in their later days uh, Peter, huh? As it does all. Thank you very much indeed, Peter. Appreciate it very much indeed. Thanks for taking time to talk to us here at the age Stage. Thanks, Brendan. Peter Butler, thank you very much indeed. And Audica is the name of the company he works for. They're rolling out their new national network. And as you heard from Peter, they are available everywhere. This is The Age Stage, made possible by the support of Aftercare Australasia and Australian Unity. Back in a moment with more of The Age Stage, when we talk superannuation and rank the two major political parties in their pre-election policies. Stick around. On the internet... Double PFM across the Mornington Peninsula, and it's great to have your company. It's Thursday morning down here in Beautiful Morning. We're going to cross over now to Canberra, because uh, Tony Negline is up there. He is the CAANZ superannuation leader, and uh, Tony this week was part of a group of chartered accountants, representing those both in Australia and New Zealand, which basically endorsed the bipartisan election promise of no new superannuation tax. Tony, welcome to The eight Stage. Thank you very much. Um, Interesting days ahead. We're in, obviously, the shadows of a looming uh, general election, and you're endorsing um, policies advocated by both major parties.
3: Well, indeed. um, So in relation to superannuation, uh, both the uh, ALP and the Coalition have announced that they will not introduce any new superannuation taxes, uh, and so that is, in our view, that gives us uh, some level of certainty uh, and also gives uh, people who use superannuation, which is, you know, let's face it, pretty much most of us, um, some level of certainty about what, uh, you know, so that we can plan forward, at least for the next few years, um, uh, around what the tax tax rules are going to be in relation to superannuation. Because as you know... Um, the good thing about super is that it is concessionally taxed compared to uh, other forms of investment, whether it be through a company, a trust, or a, um, you know, in, uh, uh, us personally.
0: So basically you and your organisation is essentially saying um, you can work with either government, whoever is successful.
3: Yeah, c- correct. In relation to the superannuation uh, sector, I should say, however, that the uh, ALP have announced... Previously, not you know they they did come out and say okay, no new superannuation taxes, but they actually did announce some changes to the superannuation sector. But what they've what they've clarified is that okay, uh, other than the ones that we've already announced, there's not going to be any there won't be any further changes. Um, it would be probably fair to say that we're not terribly you know some of the some of the changes they're proposing are maybe not the best, um, and uh, and you know maybe maybe once if they are successful. Uh, on the 18th of May, then, then maybe they might uh, hopefully water some of those down when
0: they try and legislate them. Well, let me paraphrase uh, Robert Godliebson, who was writing the other day in one of our esteemed uh, newspapers. And uh, to quote him, a lot of pensioners and self-funded retirees plan to vote for the ALP because they hated seeing three prime ministers in one term of parliament. But then, says Mr. Godliebson, came the horror of the ALP's retirement and pension attacks. And I think he's alluding there to the French System uh, is, is that your yes, conclusion? That, that,
3: would, that would be that would be a fair enough uh, assumption that he, he is referring to the, to the, to that tax. Um, but then there are also potentially other tax rises that they are referring to. So they want to um, uh, limit the ability of individuals to claim a tax deduction for their personal contributions, and they also want to uh, reduce the amount of money you can actually put into superannuation uh, on an after-tax basis. Now, you could argue that they themselves are also, uh, pay, uh, you know, tax increases. Um, so, but the main one, the main one that,
0: uh, that that Robert would be talking about is the is the franking credit uh, issue. And indeed, here at the program, we've had some pushback against this whole notion of the ALP as well. There seem to be a lot of people, self-funded retirees, that uh, are not terribly happy with this ALP initiative.
3: Um, no, indeed. Um, and, of course... Uh, you, you know, which is entirely understandable because, uh, the way it works at the moment, a company pays tax. Uh, the government ca- currently consider that to be effectively a withholding tax. Uh, and then you pay tax on that, on that income, that dividend income at your margin, you know, whatever your marginal rate is, uh, or the, 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 entity rate if it's a super fund. Uh, and then there's a balance out because that money has been withheld. It's then returned to you as a, as a cash refund if you're eligible for that refund. Now, people losing that refund are going to be uh, penalised, for want of a better term, because they'll be paying more tax on those dividends. So, uh, you know, lower income earners will, will potentially pay more tax on their dividend income. Um, so that's why there would be some pushback on. There's no doubt in my mind that would be the the reason why. So, effectively, some of your uh, some of your listeners uh, will be having reduced reduced
0: after after tax income. Indeed. And we've had some correspondence from a couple of those people as well and they're saying that's pretty unfair given the fact that most of us are living a little bit longer these days and that trying to preserve and look after ourselves in later age, if we're supposed to be doing that in our own right, means it's going to be increasingly difficult if this government yes, initiative- an,
3: an- and and I, I I agree with you hundred percent, Dan. Sorry, I didn't mean to butt in butt in but but there's there's also the added issue there that um you know this current the current refund policy has actually been in place since two thousand and one. So, you know, we're getting on to, you know, not maybe not, you know, eighteen years anyway or thereabouts. People have had time to get used to that system and they've got and they've planned around that system. And now to to have that unilaterally pull from the rug from pull under you is that that's why people would naturally upset about that.
0: Let me test out a couple of other ideas on you as well while I've got you, if I may, Tony. Um, One of them is that uh, many retirees want to downsize or move into a retirement home. Falling house prices impact? Should they be nervous about implications in terms of what they can preserve, roll over and or superannuation implications there?
3: So, so uh, what you're talking about is that okay? I want to downsize. I then want to use some of the proceeds to get into super.
0: Is is that what you're referring to? Correct, correct. But I believe that the primary residents, you are allowed to move some of that money across into to supplement your superannuation, Is that not right?
3: Yes, you can. Yeah, you can. It's called the downsizer contribution. Now, uh, the Labor Party have not told us. You know, based on their based on their announcement recently. So the good thing is that they're saying they won't get rid of that policy. Um. So we're assuming that that will remain in place.
0: I believe it's capped um, it's around the $300,000 mark though, isn't it?
3: Yeah, correct. It's not, it's not, a, it's not a huge amount, but, but um, it, it, the, the, in, the, in the 2019 budget, the current government did announce some relaxation of the ability of older Australians to make contributions for longer. But the, the flip side of that is that uh, the ALP have not said whether or not they agree with that, that new government policy, uh, but they also want to limit the ability of of, uh, of all of us to make after-tax contributions. So um, the way forward there is a little bit unclear until we know the outcome
0: of the election. Here's another one for you. Uh, my wife and I, writes our correspondent to us here at the Eighth stage, are looking at retirement at the end of this year and began investigating the possibility of 2018. We always considered ourselves to be financially okay but only just, but then our financial advisor made the comment, you're both very well placed for retirement. The vast majority of people, says the financial advisor I see, only have a small fraction of your financial assets. And our correspondent writes that he's 50 years old, he's got a ha- wife, well, he- Fifty-year-old house, which is worth two hundred k, he's got a few k in the bank and a hundred and seventy thousand k in super, and he is being described by a financial advisor as being in a good position.
3: Well, um, pardon me. All I could say is is that um, in retirement, um, that that particular individual would would be um, uh, would, would be receiving the age pension. Uh, and also, would then get a you know if if, uh, if that one hundred and seventy thousand dollars generated uh, some income would then have to be able to supplement that age pension a little bit. Uh, so I wouldn't necessarily consider that individual to be well off uh, compared to many 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 retirees. But but with the age pension and also a little bit of supplementary income, um, would would probably hopefully still be able to to, to get by
0: okay if that makes sense Uh, and we also did another interview uh, late last year with an academic from western australia saying that many of those people that haven't provisioned properly in their later years are using a lot of their superannuation to pay off their home loans and pay off their homes leaving them with relatively little in superannuation once they clear that debt
3: yeah, correct. That is, that is, that is, a, that is a, that is a well-known strategy. And so what some people do is that they use that to pay the, pay the debt off, um, and then, it, and that enables them not only to be debt free, but it also then enables them to, um, you know, maybe to potentially receive more age pension. Okay, because because they get, they're getting they're getting money out of their out of their hands and putting it into the family home, which as you know is exempt from the from the age pension test.
0: Tony, as you look as you look around this category, the baby boomers that are getting into this retirement age, are you despairing a little bit about how they have provisioned for these these retirement years?
3: Um, no, I think I think the, I think despair is probably the wrong word. I think I think they're, they're however. Um, uh, maybe there hasn't been enough planning, enough consideration of, of how these, of how all the rules fit together. Uh, what, what we do tend to find is that people start thinking about these things way too late. Um, it would be terrific, you know, um, if many people started thinking about these things, you know, 10 or more years away from retirement. But um, action tends to be considered in relation to these things very, very close to retirement or very, very close to when... Working, the work, the working life is going to cease, uh, and sometimes that's too late to make adjustments or, or uh, you know, um, solve problems that maybe may arise. So, the further, the, the longer people give themselves to plan and be ready and adjust, uh, the better off I think they may be overall.
0: And just super, uh, just going ahead, uh, having a look into the future as well. The Australian Super Chief uh, Ian Silk this week saying superannuation funds failing to consider environmental, social, and corporate government risks going ahead. ESGs, he said, are going to be very, very important in the future to all of us.
3: Uh, well, um, look, um, each trustee. So, each trustee of of any fund has to act in the best interest of their members. Um, Mr. Mr. Silk is is saying that in his view, um, that is that acting in that way would be be in the best interest of his members, um, and I guess you know every, everyone will make their own, their own judgment about that as to whether or not he's right or wrong. Um, we, we as an organisation, don't have a don't have a formal view about that, but because um, that's uh, you know that's that's a that's a trust a matter for a trustee to
0: consider. Well, anyway, um, Tony, you represent one hundred and twenty thousand chartered accountants across Australia and New Zealand, and the headline out of your media release the other day was that uh, you welcome and encourage the bipartisan election promise of no new superannuation taxes, but a little bit hazy about the ALP. Would that be the right summary?
3: Yes, correct, correct. The reason being is is that, uh, you know, we don't know about the downsides of contributions, and of course they're, they're, they have announced a few tax changes, so that, that is a, a very good summary.
0: Tony Negline, thank you so much indeed for taking time out to talk to us on the aid stage. My, my, pl- my pleasure. Tony Negline, who is superannuation leader with uh, CAANZ. Tony, thank you very much indeed. We will, of course, be following the election very closely here on the aid stage. And uh, perhaps, who knows, we might even be calling you in for a further update ahead of May 18th. This is The Age Stage, continuing this Thursday morning from the studios right here in Monington, double PFM. On the other side of the break, we'll have more.
2: This is the people and the sounds of the peninsula. Radio Port Phillip, double So good we get two frequencies, 98.7 and 98.3 FM. <laughs>
3: Princess Cruises is one of the world's leading cruise lines sailing to more than 350 different ports of call worldwide. Princess Cruises currently have seven spectacular ships cruising from Asia, Australia, some departing from Melbourne, each offering an array of exceptional amenities including elegant main dining rooms, a thrilling gaming casino, theatres, lounges, freshwater pools and much, much more. Ships that operate in Australia have Aussie dollars on board with tipping included. Call the girls at Somerville Travel and Cruise today, 5977 5433 to book your Princess cruise. A station-
0: this is our P-F-M, and you're listening to the Age Stage, a program that we have designed for older Australians and we are supported in those endeavours by Aftercare Australasia and Australian Unity. We thank them very much indeed. Well, today's media is full of advice on how us over fifties need to stay active in retirement. And usually, there's the accompanying action shot of the seniors abseiling or white water rafting. You name it, they're doing it. But there are other ways as well to get involved and get active. And Probus says. It is one of those options. To tell us more, Craig Winter is a director of Probus South Pacific. Craig, welcome. Thanks
4: very much for having me, Brendan.
0: Interesting, Probus South Pacific. First of all, seems to be a very broad and encompassing title. Why?
4: Yeah, absolutely. We've uh, we've got about uh, ten or fifteen thousand members in New Zealand, and uh, that's uh, that's a growing market for us. Um, they they've been around as long as the Australian clubs have, and uh, we look after about one hundred and twenty-five thousand members around Australia and New Zealand combined.
0: Fantastic. So you yourself have a little bit of form, uh, Rotary form I'm talking about in this instance, um, and from Rotary grew the whole Probus notion. Is that correct?
4: It it did, it did. I'm uh, I'm a past governor of Rotary, so I have some connection to it. And um, many, many years ago, Probus was formed as, uh, I guess, the Retirement Association of, of Rotarians. So no fundraising, uh, no heavy community work, no commitments in that regard. It was for people who just wanted to get get together, have a bit of fun, uh, and find
1: some new friends.
0: Well, you're certainly obviously hitting the mark because I think, if your figures are right, over 130,000 uh, combined, both Australia and, as you say, in New Zealand as well.
4: That's correct, that's correct, and always growing. You know, we're at the stage now where we're opening, uh, some months we're opening five or six new clubs somewhere in Australia or in New Zealand.
0: So why the interest
4: it's uh, a lot to do with the the as you say the current you know promotion to be more active uh, in our older years. Um, but Probus is, is more than that. It's, it's about being active and it's a, but it's about being enthusiastic about life, I guess. Uh, and it's about rediscovering, you know, past activities and and friends, uh, finding like minded people that you can do those activities with.
0: Is it an indictment, perhaps, on? Or a development issue in terms of the baby boomers where they're seeing themselves and want to express themselves going forward. Um, maybe the family's not doing it for them. They need to find interest groups, which you at Probus seem to be able to provide for them?
4: No, that's exactly right. Look, you know, generations change, their attitudes change uh, to the age, to the, to the young, to, to different activities and things. So once upon a time where families would Basically, take care of this this sort of need uh, in the aged population. They don't do it so much now, and families are, are more widespread around the world. Where traditionally, you know, they were always in the same state at, at the very least. So, so, it probably takes the place of um, you know the family in many regards, especially to aged uh, citizens who are maybe on their own. You know, they can go along to a private group and, and find a group of people who are in exactly the same situation
0: as they are. So you cater for these interests and these various groups, interest groups as well, within each of the clubs. I, I'm wondering whether also it's an, it's an indication that Baby Boomers are a little bit selective about what they do and what they do with their time. We, we were a rather indulged generation. We like what we like and we don't like what we don't like. <laughs> is it us being a little bit uh, terse and a little bit independent?
1: It
4: is, and look, you know, we can be like that. Uh, One of the the great things about Probus is that every club is different and every club has a a different set of uh, interest groups. And interest groups are things that that the members come up with themselves. So if you're in northern Queensland, your interest groups in your club are going to be entirely different uh, to a CBD Sydney club, for example. And members, when they join, can be selective. They can have a look at a club, they can have a look at the interest groups and the type of people who go to it, and if that doesn't suit them, there'll be another club, you know, a couple of kilometres down the road that may suit them better. So being selective is not such a bad thing sometimes.
0: So you, as you say, a media campaign in the last couple of months um, advocating the, the power and the strength of Probus but more particularly, more specifically, in recent weeks, you've been uh, really pumping it out there as far as senior leadership skills are concerned, as well, and advocating that within probus you have a lot of talent that could be used in the wider community.
4: Look, that's that's definitely the case, and it's not so much, a, it's not just a probus thing. It's Every association and club in the country, um, uh, they're, they're after active members who have leadership skills and probably one of the things that our advocacy needs to improve a bit in regards to our members because any association around the country if they do a skills audit of their members who are sitting there they'll, they'll find ceos they'll find managers uh, who've retired people who've got great coordination skills great media skills all of these things that maybe they're sitting there you know quite quietly keeping to themselves and um, the clubs and associations need to make use of those skills you know
0: to to grow a membership and uh, make them a strong vibrant club well i must say here at rppfm of course we are a community radio station we fancy ourselves as being a little bit more than that though craig but we have the most extraordinary membership and the skills and the talent of the people in the retired area that are coming up walking in here on a weekly basis just extraordinary and what they're contributing as well is just amazing
4: so that's exactly right. And, you know, a lot of them are hidden gems. A lot of them don't talk about what they did in their professional lives. And, you know, I understand that, that when we retire, you know some people want to retire 100% and not be involved anymore, and that, that's fine. But even those ones, uh, those retirees, still have some great advice to give, even if they're not actively leading. Um, they can certainly be sharing that knowledge with us and, uh, you know, helping improve our skills overall.
0: Yes, we're certainly benefiting from that as well. Interesting, we have a couple of comments come into us here at the eight stage from time to time, and one of our correspondents is saying that, um, uh, on the other hand, by employing many, including professionals in their mid-50s and above, Bunnings realises the worth of the experience of the older Australian in the workforce.
4: Uh, absolutely, that, that's a well-known story, that one, and it's, it's something I've had a look at myself. Um, they are one of the very few large uh, companies that have taken this on, and they're reaping some real rewards out of it. A lot of people retire um, thinking they're going to enjoy, a, you know, a couple of years of feet uh, up reading books and all the rest of it, but you often find that professionals, after about six or eight weeks, are getting pretty bored with it. And, you know, they're always looking for these things. It's not uncommon for, a, uh, uh, for an ex-professional or a professional retiree to return to the workforce, you know, within a couple of years, just because they like the activity, they like to keep the brain moving. Uh, and they like to be uh, talking to people.
0: Well, I wonder, Craig, if we could speculate a little bit more broader than that. And uh, have you come across in progress the fact that there seems to be, despite the legislation, some um, discrimination against older Australians in the
5: workforce?
4: There, there is. And, you know, there's a lot of our members that will tell you for themselves uh, where they've gone. You know, they've made themselves available out in the community for various things. Um, including, you know, paid employment, where they just aren't looked at. And I I guess a lot of it is empire building from some of the younger generations. You can understand a a young 30-ish manager not wanting to put on somebody who's got far more experience than he has sometimes, and that's that's often the case. Um, But more often than not, it's just that he doesn't understand and he doesn't see the experience that they've got. Uh, and the benefits they bring to that company. Yes, it's a I, real shame.
0: I think there was a great movie just released recently with Robert De Niro. When I can't remember or recall the name of the movie, but he plays this guy uh, Chappie comes into this uh, younger yuppie workforce in new york and basically turns the place on its head with his skills Uh, it brings me to another correspondent as well who has written into us um here at rppfm at the age stage and said sick of being told that we are overqualified or too senior for jobs the level of age discrimination in australia is ridiculous we waste the skills we already have in the marketplace because of our predilection for stereotyping and denigrating older Australians. When will any government take seriously the problems of ageism and enforce anti-discrimination laws? That legislation does exist already, though, Craig, doesn't it? Theoretically. It
1: does, it
4: does. Um, you know, and the, the, the common catch cry of, uh, uh, you know, too much experience or... Uh, uh, you know, is, is a way of getting around it, I guess, for some businesses. It is something we see very, very often, and it's a real shame. Uh, we try to encourage people to go out and, and uh, you know, develop more skills to, to provide mentor mentoring for uh, you know, younger companies and things, and when they won't put them on, they're just
0: missing a great opportunity. It is indeed. Well, we then are the beneficiaries, and I guess that is probably the whole thrust of your press releases in recent weeks, that basically we should be going and looking at the seniors' leadership skills, and that you at Probus can probably recommend and get involved in some way, or your members should be encouraged to get out and talk to people like us in the community where we are absolutely um, celebrating and looking forward to their contribution. Definitely,
4: definitely, yeah. You know, a lot of us appreciate the skills that other people have, and it doesn't matter what age range they are. I mean, you know, I'm still learning things from 20-year-olds. I've certainly learned some lessons from my son, who started his own business recently. We all need to be a bit more open to the experience and the skills that other people have uh, of every age, of every gender, of every ethnicity. Um, And you'd be... You know, really, really surprised at what you can learn and what you can take away and how it can help develop your own personal skills.
0: Well, surely it's all about the teamwork in the long run, and I guess you could sort of apply that rule nationally as well. We, If we can recruit this talent and these strengths and qualifications, we are certainly going to be a stronger country for it, surely.
4: The, the talent pool is definitely out there, and uh, it's just incredibly underutilised, uh, underdeveloped, and it's, it's there for the picking. You know, if we go out and ask them to uh, share, they will because they love to do that sort of thing.
0: The upshot of all this is, Craig, that uh, if anybody is interested, you at Probus have some very talented people, and likewise in Probus, you're encouraging those that have skills to get out and about and uh, present themselves.
4: For sure. And, you know, if anyone wants any more information on Probus, they can can look at our website, uh, org. They can find out where clubs are. Even if they don't want to get involved 100%. There is always going to be a club or a group of members near them that, that you know will willingly listen to their advice, uh, have a chat to them, and uh, it might expand the group's uh, you know uh, general interest groups as well.
0: Well, Craig Winter, to you and the rest of the crew at uh, Probus South Pacific, thanks for taking time out to talk to us here at the eighth Stage today. We appreciate it. Keep up the good work, and uh, long may the uh, the strengths and qualities of older Australians be recognised
4: very much, Brandon, for having me. I really
0: appreciate it. Craig is a director of Probus South Pacific. And as you heard, do get involved. Probus available everywhere and have a handy address near you. And double PFM, great to have you company. Thursday morning, the Age Stage, Australian Unity and Aftercare Australasia are our proud sponsors. We thank them very much indeed. Time to welcome back our medical expert, Damien Friendly, to the Age Stage studio. Damien, just looking through the media this week and looking at the latest medical reports and this outbreak of flu this year looks to be pretty serious. I think for the entire season last year there was something like fifty thousand outbreaks. Already this year, something like 40,000, and it's a pretty tough
5: virus strain as well. Well, it's actually early in the season. I mean, typically we don't start the flu jabs until you know early this month uh, to sort of continue on throughout the winter and cooler parts of the seasons. But um, obviously, this season it's taken a hold us a bit earlier than expected, and subsequently, we've had even some deaths related to the flu. Incredible. So, I see
0: that obviously it's worrying a few people because I noticed that um, the Agencies are flying in something like six million vaccines, and they're going for the super
5: booster as well for those of us a little bit older that might need the super super insurance. Yeah, when you talk about the super flu uh, shot, it actually involves four covalents rather than just the standard three that some people get. And for most people, the three covalents will be just plenty enough. But if you're at higher risks, you've had pneumonia in the past, you've uh, suffering some other comorbidities, diabetes, heart disease, cancers. Um, then you're at a higher susceptibility of um, getting a flu, but also it's more dangerous to you, so. They recommend the super flu shot for that.
0: Well, we've spoken to you about the flu in the past and my sort of crazy little theory that how can they invent a virus that ensures um, against a, a mutating virus that then in the past 12 months has moved so much? I mean, how can
5: they roll this thing out and give me the protection that I'm seeking? Well, like we've said this before. We, we base it on the agencies season prior to us. And so we keep a, a constant idea of where the flus are travelling and which strains are hitting which countries at which time. Uh, and this is their best guess that we have so it's better than nothing and uh, it's surely so uh, it, it shows that people who are having difficulties with the flu even 10 people have died so far this year alone um, it's not to be taken lightly yeah, that's a high casualty rate, really. It must be a pretty serious uh, outbreak. Well, again, if you've got these uh, comorbidities, these higher risk factors, and that could be just being over the age of 60, having these low immunity responses to other disease processes, then you're at a higher risk and it can kill you. And I see also that the figures indicating that the nursing homes have been particularly vulnerable this time round as well. Remembering the flus are highly contagious, um, you know, infection. It can really catch you just by not washing your hands, by rubbing a table. It can last onto services for up to 48 hours. So it's really important that people maintain their, their oral and hand hygienes, as well as maintaining you know adequate nutrition and good rest and sleep patterns. So that's going to help me, prevent me getting the flu? Well, it's going to prepare your body to be at its strongest when you need it most. As I say, these things can be uh, taken on board just by your generalized contact of going to the supermarket, touching a door handle. These things can easily uh, be transmitted. It's whether your defence mechanisms are strong enough to cope with those insults. And so um, the, the bottom line here as well is that there is no bottom line. The, the jabs are free, They're free if you're over 60 or not within that employable age or if you're a teenager going to high school. These things are all available through your GP. And I recommend people go and have those conversations readily with their chosen practitioners. You're absolutely locked on that we should be doing this, right? Um, Especially, I keep saying this year after year after year, if you get the flu, you'll know about it. You'll be three or four weeks recumbent in bed, potentially in hospital, potentially even causing you some life-threatening illness or disease. We do not want that to continue or worsening our community. Get down, see your doctor, and get the jab. Go and see your doctor. Go and have that chat. If nothing else, go and see your doctor. You know we recommend it twice a year, but particularly this time of year, go and do it now. Prevent yourself from getting the, the horrible flu. Damien, thank you very much indeed for dropping by. I truly appreciate it. Pleasure. Thanks for having us.
0: Damien Flynnley, our medical reporter here at the HH Damien, thank you very much indeed for dropping by, and please do take his advice very seriously. It is always well considered. And that, I'm afraid, is just about it for another week of The Age Stage. Thank you very much indeed for your company today. I'm Brendan Telfer. Before I go, thank you to our guests, Paul Verstige of the CPSA, Craig Winter from Probus. We spoke to Craig Bartlett from Audica and Damien Flenny, of course, plus Tony Neglein. Thanks to our sponsors, Aftercare Australasia and Australian Unity. I am Brendan Telfer. We thank you for your company, The Age Stage. Produced here in the studios of Radio PFM, returns in seven days' time. Stay safe. And-